0: Welcome to another episode of the wrist cheese radio podcast a podcast dedicated to orological hot takes taboo topics and unpopular watch opinions for those of you that don't know us i am bro dinky and with me as always is my co-host mr schmidt schmidt how you doing buddy
1: i'm a little worse for wear as you guys can probably tell um i have no voice yet again so this is the second episode that we are recording where schmitty is basically half a Schmidt.
0: Did it go straight through? Did you just never get your voice back or what has it been peaks and valleys or what?
1: No, I mean like, you know, two episodes ago, I felt like it was waning and that was just because I, uh, I think I was just over tired with work and stuff like that. So I just, I lost it. And then, you know, last episode, I felt like I regained it, came back and I had, you know, nice range, if you will, a voice. Um, but yeah, daughter got sick this past week. So pass it on to good old dad. Uh, so here That's we are. No voice again. So there you go.
0: <laughs> Other than that, how are things going?
1: Things are going good, my friend. Other than my voice, it's, it's, all, it's all kosher. So uh, no problems for me. I feel good. I just don't sound good. So there you go. But hey, I'm here recording for you guys because I love you all.
0: That's so. right. We, pa- we power through.
1: That's what we, we, power do through, Radio. we power
0: through, baby. We power through. Speaking of cheese, you know the, we usually record late at night, and uh, I I'm finally getting my late night energy back, which is good. I uh, I don't know if I've ever told anybody. I've told a few people about this that I do this really stupid diet throughout the year, where basically like from after the Super Bowl to Halloween, I I eat like super low carbs and keto, and like I lose a ton what? of weight, and then I eat like a savage between halloween and the super bowl it's like a solid like 30 pound fluctuation it's a it's a hell of a way to live let me tell you
1: bro seriously
0: i do this is what i do it's great i'm gonna i gotta be so so hold hold
1: on hold on so what do you eat during these two different times yeah like what are you eating now and what do you eat then
0: I mean, before I eat whatever the hell I want. That's the great part. You can live in sin. I can drink, eat whatever the hell I want. I don't have to focus on anything because I know it's going to come right off. And then I go into basically eating really high fat foods, no carbs, and just like some protein stuff. So I mean, I eat eat a lot of salads, but like you don't got to worry about dressing. You can hit all your vegetables with cheese sauce. Like you can eat, Jesus. What? yeah, dude. Because it's just high fat. As long as you don't have like super sugary stuff, you're good.
1: I need this in an Excel document, man. I think we yeah, need to send I, this I'll, I'll
0: I'll hit you with it. It's it's wild. I mean, I didn't believe it at first, but I saw it was funny. My boss's son came back from college one year, and he used to be heavy as. F- <laughs> and uh, he, he used to uh, come back every year to work for us part time. And then he comes back the next year and he's real thin. And I'm like, yeah. dude, what happened? He goes, Yo, I started are this- you
1: sick? Are you I- dying?
0: That's what I thought. He goes, I yeah, started yeah. this crazy diet. I was like, well, what, what is it? He goes, I eat high fats. And I'm like, and you lose weight? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So this clearly works because this kid did it. So I start doing it. You can crush bacon. You can try crushed cheeseburgers as long as you don't eat the bun. Like it is wild, but it works and it gives you sick amounts of energy. Like, obviously I work long days, like throughout yeah, the summer, yeah. I'm working six days a week, 12 hours a day, so sometimes more. I wonder if more. this is
1: kind of like, like primal type food, right? Cause you're eating like fat, but it's like.
0: From what I understand it, your body shifts from using glucose and storing glycogen in your liver and now you're on to you basically using fats for energy.
1: Yeah, so you're constantly burning fat and not the other sugary crap. So I guess at first
0: body. it uses up your fat stores in your body. And then what you're gonna do is just keep that rolling with, you know, if I'm hungry throughout the day, I'll just go grab a, a spoon and have at the peanut butter. Like it's it's crazy. It's It shouldn't make sense, but it works. Interesting. Yeah, the only thing you gotta watch, not too many beers. Yeah, I've been I've
1: been trying to I've been trying to lay low on the beers unless there's a special occasion because that was constantly my battle with with weight stuff is just like you you start having one beer then you have six beers and all of a sudden you're like ten pounds heavier one day to the next and I and I've come to realize that like I get super you know not that this is a diet show but you know get a little puffy the next day. You know, so it is what it is. It's just I'm trying to cut back on that. I've been, if I am gonna drink. It's more of the uh, the hard variety rather than the sugary, malty or, or or you know barley variety. So,
0: yeah, and you can get away with that as long as you're mixing with like, you know, your your diet type sodas, your zeros and stuff like that. It works. It's wild. Yeah. I can't explain it, but it it you gotta give it a shot. Interesting.
1: Interesting. That that is that is interesting. Yeah. So. So a good portion of the year, that's how you eat. And then at the very kind of tail end of the year.
0: I just let it loose.
1: You let it loose. So it's basically all the the time that you would really want to eat like crap, which is sugary Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas to Super Bowl. Right. New Year's and then Super Bowl. Yep. Then you just shut it down.
0: Yeah. And then by the time it's time to go back to the beach, I'm skinny again. I dropped to the same weight I was in high school. That's how crazy it is.
1: That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's very wild. (laughs) But
0: so this is what I needs to get
1: on the bro diet.
0: At first, I thought it was just a fluke, and then I like did it again the next year, and I've been doing it, and I do it every year now. It's great. Wow. So I'm thinking maybe I can get a a, like a cheese sponsorship out of this, right? Risk Cheese Radio, maybe like a, I don't know, uh, what is it, the Cracker Barrel? (laughs)
1: <laughs> the cracker, bro. <laughs> now, nah, man, we're going straight for Velveeta shells and cheese, baby. Oh, yeah That's yeah. who I want my sponsor to be. I don't know if, if someone's going to sponsor cheese, this post. Please, somebody from a cheese company, give me some Tillamook up in here. Let's get some shredded cheese. No,
0: you, know, you got to try it. You never tried it, Borzon. You ever had Borzon cheese? Borzon, no, it's B O U uh, R S I N Borzon cheese. It's like a, a whipped goat cheese with like herbs and stuff in it. It is ridiculous. Like, you could just dip like pretzels in it or something. Obviously, not when you're eating this way, but normally yeah. you can just like
1: it's yeah. Well, you just say you just say that for the last remaining part of the year, right? Yeah, Going into yeah, the yeah. beginning of
0: next year, but it's definitely give that a shot. No nobody's so ever had not, that. so it's not, it's
1: not a, it's not a. It's, is it a brand of cheese, or like that's it's the type? That's of the
0: it? name. That's the name of it. Okay. Like you have like blue cheddar, Swiss. Like this is called Boursin. Give okay. that a try. It is sick good. It's very rich, but it is crazy good. I
1: will. I will have to give that a try. I'm a sucker for for cheeses, man. I, I am. I'm a blue cheese fanatic. Like I that's used to rare, hate man. it. That's
0: rare. A I used lot to hate
1: like... it. I used to hate it, and all of a sudden, like college, is just like boom, just switched. And, like, the stinkier, the funkier, the better, dude. It is, like, the best.
0: Well, it's one of those things. If you have crappy blue cheese, it sucks. If you have good blue cheese, it's really good.
1: For sure. (laughs) I mean, it should just, like, smear thick, like, peanut butter, man. It's, oof. And you're making me hungry.
0: (laughs) Welcome back to the Swiss Cheese Radio podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. Welcome back to Swiss Cheese Radio. We're here to talk (laughs) about diets and destroying them and all things that are bad for us. Uh, including beer That's but it. back to watches so bring it back bring uh, it back okay we before, before, before
0: we get into the topic did you see that Moritz grossman world timer that just came out uh
1: did it have a black dial
0: it has like a globe like a map on the dial and it's got like a bunch of different circles for time zones
1: I think I might have come across this on on today. Everybody to speed, just but
0: everybody just posted it today. Like it's it's been out for a few days now, but everybody just posted it today. Let
1: me and see if I can find it.
0: It's got some interesting stuff going on. It has these little circles all over the map. So instead of having a world time complication like around like everybody else does, it just has the numbers all over the map in the circles for the hour of what time zone they're in. Now the interesting part is you look at the cities on it and you're like, these are weird. Why would you have Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And then you it's look at up, yeah. you look at the rest of them, and it's all country, uh cities that do not observe daylight savings because Phoenix does not.
1: Okay, yeah. So that it.
0: way, the watch is always right because otherwise you would have to compensate for that if it was let's say like Los Angeles time or something like that. Weird. Right? Weird, but it's it's a cool looking watch though.
1: I'm digging it, man. And
0: that top left crown, I believe you can independently move the hands with that.
1: So it becomes like a true like a true travel timing watch.
0: Right. It's it's a pretty cool looking watch. But I was put off at first by the I was like, who decided on these cities, right? Usually you have like New York, yeah, 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 LA, right? pretty standard and then as you go across yeah. the world it's all capitals and things like that and i'm like phoenix arizona i was like did they did they drill the hole thinking it was la and miss and they're like well we're not gonna fix it we already did right <laughs> anyway interesting watch definitely thought it was worth the share uh got a lot of publicity yeah today, man that's
1: but- that's that's really strange i you know i found I it kind of funny because i was like yeah did it have a black dial no it didn't have a black dial it had a gigantic world map on it with little holes. I was like, you definitely uh, did not see it. I definitely must have missed it. I'm thinking about a completely different March Grossman. Uh, but no, this is this is, uh, this is is really cool. It's unlike any world timer I've ever seen. It's very but, man, interesting. Man, it's a big boy. It's almost 45 mil.
0: You got to see the um. somebody posted a picture of the inner wheel because they all have to align. Like the numbers are all over the place.
1: Oh, I could only imagine, dude. And it's a manual wine. Whoa! Yeah, forty-two thousand euros.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't (laughs) say I was going to get one, but it's—I mean, of
1: course, (laughs) right? I mean, like this is this is—it looks like a—it looks like a was it three-quarter plate from what I'm reading. Uh, Let's see here. Let's see here. Movement, movement. Yeah. So basically, it's a three-quarter plate, beautifully decorated, but albeit kind of sparse really really good looking watch yeah i mean i like it that's cool
0: yeah interesting little tidbit before we jump into the main here today we're going to play a little game called buy and sell now that's not buy and sell in monetary terms it's more how brands are moving whether they're trending up or down if they're stagnant or if they we feel like they just need a refresh so if you're buying you feel like a brand is on the upswing they're doing something great if you're selling, you feel like a brand is stagnant, or maybe they take it a turn for the worse. We're going to play this little game, kicking it back and forth, buy a brand, sell a brand, doesn't matter how big or what they're doing, just as long as they're doing something. I think we both have some choices in both categories, and I guess we're just going to rip them off.
1: <laughs> All right. Do you want to kick us off?
0: Sure. So well, I'm going to start off with a little brand called Aquastar. Now, for those yes. who don't know Aquastar, it was a heritage brand back in the 60s. And it was basically made by this Renaissance man. His name was Frederick Robert. I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. <laughs> um, and they have like multiple patents with diving tech. They, they had a patent for a uh, special way the crown screws in, bezel rotation, all of this stuff when it was cutting edge technology. And eventually it got sold to a Swiss watch group. And then again, to a pair of brothers in the 80s who wanted to develop quartz technology because quartz is all the rage then. So they wanted to make it into a (sighs) regatta timer, like as their flagship type deal.
1: Yep. Right. A super, a super popular sport. Yes. (laughs) It's going to penetrate the mass market. Let's, Let's put our flagship model as just regatta timers.
0: So finally, one of these bros got linked up with Rick Marai. You might know from Doxa. Yep who is big into revivals these days you might also know from synchron yep and basically wound up bringing the brand back to its heritage and now they make these basically one-for-one replicas of their old models right they're the exact same proportions and they use these fancy schmancy Le pere movements with column wheel chrono tech mm-hmm. they also make a non-chrono now but the, the yeah, big yeah. drop was the uh the Chrono Sick. The,
1: the deep I mean, that's, star. that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's honestly the only one for me. Oh, it's so good is, looking, though. It's, it's, it's funky. It, it's so on brand. What do you um, call
0: that, that left sub dial situation? It's not even a sub dial.
1: So let me, let me just make sure.
0: It's just like a double edged.
1: Yeah. I mean, thing. it's just cause, <laughs> cause keep in mind. So I'm sure there's a fancy so name for wh- this.
0: I don't know it. That's why I'm asking. I,
1: i mean i don't know if there's actually a proper name for it but basically for those of you can't see it's a diamond shaped seconds hand for the running seconds of the time right because if you're looking at this watch essentially it's a 30 minute big eye chrono like that's the best way to describe it yes right it's a 30 minute big eye chrono why because when you're diving Really, the only thing that's important here is minutes. I mean, quite frankly, like hours are irrelevant diving because only very skilled people can really dive for over an hour unless you're doing, you know, different types of mis- mixed gases or you're diving at extremely shallow depths. That's really the only way on a normal tank. You're going to hit an hour completely underwater. Right. And that's with really good breathing technique. Um, so here you got a 30 minute chrono. I'm just imagining that because this is really a kind of a, 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 a function over form type watch that they wanted to have a running second so that, you know, the watch is operational, but it's such an afterthought because the main indication is the actual time and the 30 minute chronograph function that that supersedes it. So to have something that lets you know that it's spinning great, but it's not the biggest focal point of the dial does that make sense yeah it's just a way to 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 make the focus on the most sensitive part which is the actual chronograph mechanism itself not you know not the watch actually moving if that if that if that makes sense to our listeners i know it's kind of a weird way to describe it but the emphasis is on the other function of the watch because that's what's most important
0: right and i love the look of this thing the big eye looks amazing it's got that classic kind of h case that vintage look to it, sort of like the yes. 62 Moss type deal. They made it in green, blue, black. It looks good in every single color. And it makes sense why it sells out every single time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It comes in and then boom, it's gone again. And, they, and like you said, they have the, the Deep Start 2, which is essentially the same watch just now in a non-chronograph version. And instead of the big eye, you ha- kind of have a, a big eye, you know, seconds track. Yeah. So there's no chrono. The big guy subdials is on the opposite side, and it's not really a subdial for chrono; it's just a a seconds indication. But again, you can see how they highlight the emphasis on the actual seconds because you're using it as a timing reference for timing. Yeah, but I love this watch; I really do. I was super excited when they came back. Super and I've,
0: I've looked at I've looked at some vintage ones, and they're they're obviously very expensive. But these these ones don't come in bad. These ones no. I, I think they're all two grand and under or around. Yeah. Them. And
1: again, you're you're getting you're getting good movement specs. You're getting a classic brand. You're getting a very weird piece of traditional diving history from a brand that was synonymous with diving. And what's cool about Aquastar as a brand is like many dive watch brands of that era, they would actually license out the production of their watches to dive shops in different like diving outfits because this was considered diving equipment right so you would have you know aquastar by us divers or aquastar by um you know aqualung's the same thing but you know it would have its own brand associated with another company because they were affiliated with diving right so this would be something that you would walk into your local dive shop in florida or in you know, Greece or the Maldives, and you would go and buy this watch out of the dive shop because that's where it was sold. Because that's where dive equipment was sold. And to me, that is so cool. It's the same story with Doxa, some of these other very funky 60s, 70s divers. This is a cool piece of, of dive history, and I seriously want to have one of these in my collection.
0: So that was my buy for round one here. It's my sell, I'm going to start with the easiest one. Probably the, the biggest running joke going is Right, everybody calls Audemars Piguet literally the Royal Oak brand at this point. Yep, there ain't nothing new coming out of there. The code 1159 is abysmal, hot garbage. I feel like you know, I feel like that's one of those watches that people will say that they like to try to be different, but I know you don't.
1: I, I the think, Chronograph I is a they, little
0: better than the other one, but yeah, still,
1: yeah. And, and they had the version with Aventurine dial, and there's some really cool like dial configurations on this collection. But overall, the collection's hot garbage. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. And I don't know if we've covered this before on the podcast or you and I have talked about this offline, but I don't think anybody that's buying an 1159 is buying it because it's you know, a groundbreaking, you know, record-setting watch. I think everyone's buying it because of the sheer fact that they know it's a commercial failure for AP, and they're hoping 20 years from now, it's going to be uber-desirable. Because it was a short lived period of time when AP tried to distance themselves from the Royal Oak. And quite frankly, I, I mean, I think we've said this before. It's just, it's confused.
0: It's a miss. It, it, it it's, is.
1: yeah, it's not for me.
0: I mean, they have other watches in their catalog that you don't even know exist. And that's just what it is, right? Like the millinery. Yeah. yeah. Who even knows it exists? I don't even think they advertise it. And look, yeah, I, don't I, know. Love, I, don't even... I love the aesthetic of the Royal Oak. I have always liked it. Yeah. But how long could you go on that?
1: Well, as long as you want to keep adding diamonds and keep turning the dials glacier blue, I mean, it's they'll, they'll keep doing it. I mean, that's just the reality. It's because everyone is overhyping it. It's not a great movement. They're now changing it because it needs to be better. Same thing with the paddock. 5711, right? Like it has to be discontinued because the movement is ancient and it's not really that great of a movement.
0: Am I crazy? Are we talking non-quick set dates?
1: If my memory serves me correctly, that's correct.
0: I don't know about the I most know recent sure one, the but I is... know a recent one had non-quick set date.
1: Yeah. I, I think the one <laughs> that didn't, I think the one that didn't have the quick set date was the ultra thin Royal, okay. because I think, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, I think Adrian from Bark and Jack did a video on this where he's talking about, you know, he, he gets to wear this watch. It's amazing. And then he talks about that it doesn't have a quick set date. If my memory serves me, correctly, I'm sure I'll be fact-checked. You guys can go and do that. But I'm pretty sure Adrian covered this on a video last year at some point. And I remember thinking to myself, how much does this watch cost? And why doesn't it have a quick set date? Oh well, ultra thin. You know what? Sorry. Give me one extra millimeter in thickness for the <laughs> option the option to have a stupid date on my watch. I'm sorry. It, in the 21st century, this is just ridiculous that that's even that's even a thing, you know, and especially at that price point. That's what boggles my mind. AP, AP is unfortunately it is a one trick pony at this point, point. and it's, it's because- just riding out in the sunset. They just don't have anything to me that is worthy of ownership. And again, maybe I'm just a hater because I'll never buy an AP, but I know what it's like to wear an AP. I, I, I had a colleague of mine who had back in the day, an AP skeleton, and he let me wear it for a week. It was a beautiful watch, gorgeous seeing, you know, in steel, I had the skeletonized movement, everything was fantastic. Had skeletonized AP on the rotor, so like yeah. it was, it looked really sick. It just one, it pinched me and pulled my hair on my arm, which is not really saying that's saying a lot because I basically have no hair on my arms at all. <laughs> it was, an, it was not a very comfortable bracelet. It looked amazing though in the sunlight when you turn your wrist. I was going to say it like,
0: looks like a great bracelet. It
1: glitters amazingly well. It is so beautiful, but it was uncomfortable. It was. Skin grabby and hair grabby again, and I don't have much to begin with. And when I was out in a situation where I could have potentially been noticed with having that watch, nobody knew what the hell it was. Nobody, like it was just something like I'm wearing a watch that costs more than some people's cars. You say it's almost and like, too long. Nobody, yeah, nobody had any idea. So that's not really a slide at AP. It's just you know my experience. I felt like that watch was going to make me feel a certain way. And it didn't.
0: I think that's a lesson you learn in watch collecting is that no matter what you get, no watch makes you feel complete, right? A lot of people were like, I thought this would just make me feel full and done. And yeah, I'm still chasing. And I'm like, ah, well, I guess that's just life.
1: I'm with you, man. It's just, uh, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I like what they do. I respect them. They're obviously a great manufacturer. They have a reputation. It's just not me. And that's
0: what it is. And I think if so, if somebody had to put a gun to my head, buy or sell them. I'm selling them. Yeah. Except for, I mean, I get it. Monetary value is high. I get it.
1: Yeah. But it's not always about the money either. I'm not buying watches for resale. That's an added bonus. You know, it's cool. Like I did a, I was looking at at, at doing some, in, updating my insurance policies for my watches. And uh, I was looking at my Doxas sub. I don't know when or where or how. But the market value on that watch is like skyrocketed. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. I was looking up the Chrono retail market price on it. And it, it literally like tripled. And I'm like, I, I don't even know how it's possible. And I was like, well, that, that watch is now going to sit a little further back in the watch case. not going to come <laughs> out as often. Because it's basically irreplaceable now. But yeah, it was just, it was just funny. How, how things change like that. And it's just like, ugh, I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Um, on that note, I guess I can talk about the ooh, some of the options that I have here. Um, so one of my kind of up and coming watches, if you will, one that I think that more people should should really look at buying because I like what the brand is doing is Farrah. So I'm sure a lot of people may be familiar with Farrah if you're not. It's a UK based independent brand. They're relatively recent, I think what maybe the last five or so years, I would say. Um, that's just me being conservative. I, I didn't look this up, but it's it's a cool brand. And one thing that I really appreciate about them is yeah, they're doing some some movement things, yeah, they're doing some cool case design things. That's all well and good. But for me, the most strong attribute of Fairer and what I really resonate with is they have their own design language. They do. They play with colors, specifically primary colors a lot. They have a great way of this kind of almost whimsical take on traditional watchmaking style. You know, they'll incorporate, you know, vintage syringe hands, but they'll do it with like a light blue color for the loom. And it's just, it's a, it's a crazy juxtaposition of style and trendiness that meshes really well that I think that they've really encapsulated very well. The only other brand that I could say has a similar kind of taste on that aspect would be someone like a nomos, right? Yeah. Like they've taken their own style and like, that's kind of what I get. They, they have a very similar kind of design aesthetic, even though they're two different brands. Right. But I really like what is doing. Their prices are exceptional you know, for many of their mechanical watches, you're looking, you know, well under a few thousand dollars for for most of their pieces. And some of their watches are loom monsters. I've looked at their, some of their new pilots that they came out with either last year or the year before. That watch is insane. It just looks like a torch and all the loom is different colors. It looks awesome. And it's just what they're doing and what they're offering at the price that they're doing it, I think is extremely attractive. And I think for somebody who's looking to, maybe pave the way into maybe a first luxury watch purchase or kind of that mid-tier range. This would be a great alternative from a brand that has its own style and it would be cool to bring to a meetup, you know? It is a a it is a, an educated choice is, is what I guess I'm trying to say. So I think Ferrer is doing some good things. I think people should take a look at them more seriously and I think it's a watch to, to certainly look out for and, and to buy in the future. That said, one that I think you could just dump in the trash kind of following the, the AP route is, is bulgery. I just, they, they're just not doing it anything for me. The Octo Series, I get it. It's hierology. Some of their stuff is insanely good making uh, in terms of movement design and thinness and you know, ultra thin chronos and micro rotors and all that stuff. All of that is great. Yeah. But when I look at the design of the watch, I just don't know if this is a watch design that will age. I said that before and I'm going to say it again. I just don't think it's something that I'm going to look back 10 years from now and be like, that was the fire watch. You know, that was the watch to get. I just, I, I think it's missing there. And I think a lot of people who are, who are buying them and kind of riding the hype train now, because it's a good looking watch now, 10 years from now are going to be like, man, the market kind of fell out on this, kind of stuck with it. If I sell it, I'll get basically nothing for it. What am I what else am I gonna get? I think it's a little bit too trendy of a stop.
0: It's almost like when you see, whether it be in fashion or cars or something, where somebody tries to release the futuristic, like the projected futuristic look. Yes. And then design winds up going the exact opposite direction. And then that model or that design sticks out like a sore thumb because it Correct. wasn't it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's, it's, what I can it, see happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think about it too. Like, since you brought up fashion, you look at like some of the um, the the ugly sneakers that everyone wears, like the 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 Balenciaga like rubber boots or sock boots. <laughs> I mean, it's like how much do these things cost? And they look cool for 2020 when everything's weird and 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 all that stuff. What about another another fashion cycle from now? 2022, 2023, like. Is that going to be the it thing to wear? No, it looks like trash. Literally. But people get caught on the hype stuff and they're not focusing on classics and longevity. And I think, I think you said it perfectly. It's like what people are trying to project is the, is the future style rather than focusing on kind of more conservative traditional things. You miss the mark because what ends up happening is as that style changes and people navigate around that, You're left sticking out like a sore thumb, but you've also instantly dated yourself because now everyone recognizes that that was a future style that never came to be.
0: That's like, you ever see the meme of, uh, it's like when I hear somebody who's grossed out by the term moist, I know that the last time they tried to have a personality was 2011. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. But no, I think you're right. I think it's almost like how there's certain things that never go out of style, right? You have like Chuck Taylors, you know, Levi's, like those, those classic classic. things. Yeah, the Adidas shell top, right? They just don't go out. And then you have these wild designs, which are cool for the moment. Yeah. And it's kind of the moment passes and it's just, it's out there. Like, (laughs) I mean,
1: you know, again, I'm not a sneakerhead. I'm not going to pretend to be, but like, I look at, I look at Yeezy's. Like some of them look cool, but then some of them look like an amoeba, like attached to your foot, you know, and it's just like it it's not the thing. It might be the thing now. But you, you know, on on StockX buying these crazy shoes for a passing a passing fashion statement, man. I hope you can I hope you can offload those. Right. What what
0: happens if Yay does something crazy and then you don't want to wear his shoes anymore?
1: Exactly. I mean, see, the market just drops out one second to the next. And now you're left with with amoeba shoes on your feet, man. At least they're comfortable, I guess. Yeah.
0: They, they really do look like the low-level uh, armor and boots that you get when you're, like, if, starting out a video game. <laughs> I've seen
1: people describe it as that. It's so funny. Oh, my God. Like welcome from the Elder Scrolls. Here's your feet. Your starter and, bag. Uh, here, here's the leather. <laughs> here's the leather wraps you found in the wild that you can now cover your feet with. Ugh, all right, my second
0: brand up for a buy is a brand that you know. I feel like if people looked into this brand more, they would like it a lot because Zinn is a favorite of a lot of watch people. Yeah, yeah. And a brand that I consider pretty on par with them is Damasco.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. German brand. The bad watches.
0: Made in the '90s, um, so they were started by a, a guy who was into space engineering, things like that, and he tried to carry over a lot of that material making and even refinement techniques into watchmaking to basically make yeah, yeah. more or less super watches. And they actually used to supply cases to Zinn, I found out in the early two, up really? until the early 2000s, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, and
0: then once the they used to, I believe, be ETA movements. And then once ETA started doing the whole crackdown situation. Switch so to salida Yeah. No, yeah. switch to in-house.
1: In-house? They have
0: in-house movements now since 2014. I did
1: not, I did not know that.
0: Yeah. So that's super interesting. There are huh. 150 different patents that Damasco holds for whether it be materials, material refinement. They are not that expensive, right? I see yeah. a lot of them come in under two grand. The most interesting thing I found out about this brand is that their I guess their brand owner, he does not do advertisements. Really? People said, why don't you do advertisements? And he said, because I want the watches to speak for themselves.
1: That's kind of gangster.
0: I thought that was pretty ballsy.
1: That's kinda gangster.
0: But so these have, have they have these crazy case materials. They're super light. They're super tough. They're not overly <clears throat> thick or obnoxious. They have sweet movements in them. I mean, for me, there's like nothing not to like. I just, I feel like almost because they don't advertise, they're sort of like a hidden gem in the industry that you've seen. You've definitely seen the name before. But, oh, for
1: sure. But, for sure. Yeah. They, they've crossed my my path for a long time. Um, One of my collector friends that is into watches, he's owned some Zin's. Um, but he's, he's moved them on. He's, you know, sold them off. He, he, he's the kind of guy that will buy a lot of stuff just to kind of see it in person
0: Yeah, check it out and
1: then check it out. And if he, if he likes it, cool, he'll move it on. If he doesn't, and he takes a little bit of a loss on it, um, you know, whatever, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of the way he does it. You know, he's a, he's a good guy that way, but this is always one of the brands that we've talked about that I've just never personally seen, because again, I don't know anybody that owns one. But from all the stuff that, I, that I've seen on forums, all the different kind of meetup stuff, people that own Damasco love the watches. Yes. They're awesome. And they came out with a modernized kind of diver style within the last few years. I think it was kind of like a blue and orange or like a yellow and black that I really liked. But I guess that one is gone now because now they have like a completely murdered out version in all black, <laughs> which is even cooler. Like, well, these are look those,
0: those over engineered tool watches, like to a T. Like, if that is your thing, this is your 100% sneaky brand to buy.
1: This, this, this one looks sick. It's the D sub 50. It's literally a sterile dial, other than the date and Damasco. That's it. No depth rating, no nothing, just all blacked out case, 300 meter water resistance, like. Not going to lie, this is this is pretty sick.
0: Yeah, very cool watches. On my sell list,
1: <laughs>
0: and it's funny because I'm, I'm noticing a trend here that I like a lot of these brands on this list. Unfortunately, just certain things like Stagnation, I feel like plague these companies. And one company yeah. that I have bought a lot of watches from that I still own is Tudor. And I love the Black Bay, I love the variants of the Black Bay, but how many variants of the Black Bay can we do? How long can we ride the Black Bay train for? Yep. Right. The the dress lines are lackluster. I'm just going to say they need a ton of work. As I've said before, I feel like if they went back to their retro heritage designs on the dress models, I feel like they'd look really great. But it seems like they're just kind of. Pushed off to the side, maybe people don't look to Tudor to buy dress watches, so that they're just not that popular. So they're not a priority. Yeah. And again, the Black Bay is great, right? The Fifty Eight, the GMT, different case materials,
1: all of the yeah. I mean it's it's not it's not a bad watch. No, nobody's arguing that.
0: And I love the Pelagos as well. But like, how much can I hear about your heritage and drawing back to the snowflake and? Oh, we look what we did. We took the chrono and we put some gold on this one. Like it's the same. It's like they they just take the playbook and they're like, okay, now it's your turn, and we're gonna put a steel and gold version of you. We're gonna put a blacked out version of you, and it's and then we're just gonna get cute and do oh silver, oh gold with a green bezel. Like, yeah, I feel like they need to almost get away from the black <clears throat> bay to establish themselves as I I that same, could not agree more. I understand they're not a complete one trick pony. They have a couple other solid, real solid watches, but it gets very stale after a while. And again, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the stuff that they have. And,
1: and just I, and like I'll
0: stagnation.
1: Yeah. I, and I'll say this, I'm really kind of curious to see what they're going to drop this year. And I think, I know we had kind of touched on this last episode about the upcoming watch events. Um, I think the next major watch like showcase is going to be at the end of March going into April. I can't remember which one it was that I looked up, but it's going to happen. I think Tudor's going to be there. Ors is going to be there. A lot of brands are going to be there. And I'm really curious to see what they're going to drop because I've been saying this for a long time myself. Tudor needs to be careful. Because the Black Bay has been a successful line for them. This goes all the way back to 2012. And again, the Black Bay line relaunched Tudor for the U.S. market because it had been gone for like nine years. Right. They just stopped selling in the U.S. We're like, yeah, it's not an important market for us. Let's just focus on Europe and other places, the U.K., whatever. So let's just take everything away. And the U.S. can, you know, they can go get bent, I guess. So they stopped selling it. So the Black Bay was the relaunch and everyone loved it. Cause they were like, oh my God, it's like a Submariner, but it's cool. It's vintage. It's, it's larger. Youthful, it's hip. It's youthful, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a younger man's watch. It feels different, yeah. which I think are things that make the Black Bay extremely attractive. Yes. But what they're running into now is everything's a Black Bay, Black Bay bronze. Black Bay Ceramic, Black Bay 58, Black Bay 41, Black Bay 58 Blue, Black Bay Ninety Five, Black Bay Gold, Black Bay, or as I call it, the Baytona. I mean, like everything's Black Bay, right? So even though these are decidedly different models, they look very different when you, when you put them side by side. At the end of the day, it's still the same watch. And it's kind of, it's kind of in essence, the Panerai syndrome. Like once you've owned one, you've kind of owned them all. Yeah, and Even does. if you do decide to collect, like, even if you do decide to collect, how many are you really going to collect? Are you going to collect all fifty-eight flavors, or are you going to collect maybe what well, fifty-eight, maybe a GMT, and that's it? You know, there's not, not. That's, that's what it. I
0: think it is. I think it's a case of less is more, and I, I just feel like this dilution because there's such a breadth of offerings there that it just leaves like a bland taste in people's mouth, right? Yeah. They. They don't see Black Bay as something special anymore. You're just like, oh, yeah, it's that. It's that whole group. And, you can get and, any which one you want.
1: Yeah, and I think a, a large part of this is just coming from the fact that Black Bay in many ways is desirable because their larger brother company is, is almost impossible to get. Right? We've touched on this. Okay. So I think that just by proxy, they're like, well, you know, we know you want to get a Rolex sub, but we don't have one to sell you. So let's take a look at a Black Bay. Right. And maybe if you purchase a couple black bays, you get those up in your belt, you get some spend history with us. Maybe we can start talking to you about a sub in two years. Right. Like I feel like that's kind of the, the position that Tudor that is taking right now. Is it's for it's in, in essence a way for them to move product, but also as a way to get people to buy stuff from Rolex in lieu of buying actual Rolex pieces. And I'm sure there's retailers out there that are listening to this and they're like, Yeah. That's exactly what we do, because that's what I've heard is being done. But I'm curious to see what's going to drop. I think, and I'm calling it right now, I think we're getting a new Pelagos this year. I hope so. I really believe it. I I believe it. And And I said this to you and I. I think you and I talked about this before offline. We got the LHD, which I think was a step in the right direction at the end of last year. Their social media campaigns and marketing right now is literally Pelagos, 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 Pelagos. Everything's about Pelagos right now. So, for me, I think we're getting a refresh of the Pelagos, and I and I want to say that it's probably going to mirror in some way the case format of the of the uh, the FXD. I think you're going to lose the fixed lugs, but I think you're going to go to the smaller case diameter, the thinner case profile, no date, no date graduated yeah. bezel. I can see it because that. that's what everyone wants. I, 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 That's, I, I think that's what we're getting. I think that's what we're getting. So I'll be curious to see if that's actually what happens. But I'm gonna call it right now here on the end of uh, uh, February, the 25th, as we're recording this episode. We get in a new Pelagos.
0: I just hope and please God that they refresh one of their Explorer type watches, whether it be the North Flag. They just mixed it. Come back with something fresh or
1: just do the Ranger. Just, I was
0: going to say the, the old Ranger. Give me a roulette yes. date wheel. Make it look ten sixteen e. Give me a good even, size.
1: Even if you just give me a, 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 I mean, you already have a Black Bay 36, right? Just take that same format, lose the Black Bay hands, keep the snakehead hands, and make it an Explorer-type watch. You got a banger. That's a home run watch. You keep it at $3,000 or whatever the price one is of that Black Bay 36. And it's done. You have an instant home run watch. Because here's the thing. People aren't getting Explorer 1s at Rolex. And that's an actual Explorer watch. You know what I mean? Like, that Ranger is cool. It's a cool watch. So for them to bring it back, like, just bring it back in the right way. They, they, they brought it back in the right way that was good for, you know, 2013. 2012, when everything was a little bit larger, now things are scaling back down. So give us a Ranger in modern size. I think that would be a home run.
0: Yeah, And if you want to be different, you don't want to be 36 millimeter Explorer, give them 38.
1: It'll yeah. do the job. Because the current one's what, 41? 41. Or is it 39? It's, it's,
0: I think it's 41. Yeah. But it's just, it's proportionately bad. It looks it terrible. proportionately bad. It looks, it just looks very and, and, empty.
1: And that bracelet, because it's not integrated, the bracelet just like makes it look massive. Yeah. Or, you,
0: or you can get it in a bund. Oh God.
1: Jason Heaton's favorite strap, the bunt. <laughs> and again, the I actually
0: strap. I'm actually a very big Tudor fan, especially of their heritage stuff. But like don't just be Rolex a stepping
1: stone. That's Come what on. they are, man. I know. That's it's, what they it are.
0: Sucks. It sucks.
1: I know. But that's what we're having this conversation. So sell all of your Tudors <laughs> Just get rid of everything. Sell them all. Flood the gray market with your Tudors Yeah. All right, you are up, my friend. All right, buddy. Um, so for me, this is really no surprise. I own one. Uh, I think a lot of big things are coming, especially with new technologies. But I'm going to have to say everyone needs to go out and buy Oris. I mean, we talked saw on, that, on that article last week about yep. Fratello. They came out with, you know, kind of Oris is one step away from really becoming a huge mainstream brand in a lot of ways, uh, especially at their price point. Um, but I think that they're also not afraid to push the envelope. And when we saw that that uh, the Clazone enamel diver, that's like yeah. thirty thousand dollars for an Oris. Wow, I'd never pay that, but somebody is. I'm pretty sure they're all probably pre-sold to to important people. And Oris is really changing up the game. VJ in the United States is really taking a lot of of ownership of this and making things happen that are big for the brand. And we're seeing a lot of cool innovative models come out. They just released a new diver sixty five. It's kind of a glacier blue dial. It's got the steel bezel, in um, a smaller size. Yep, looks there's good. The there's it looks good. There's the um, the other Diverse sixty five version.
0: Dude, the 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 one with the I think it's like a smoky blackish dial with the blue loom.
1: Yes, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, I I good. forget I forget what they call it, but it's like the it's like always on or or the turquoise glow or something like that because yep. the loom looks like it's always charged up even though it's not. I like it that that's a sick watch man i'm sorry that on a tropic like let's go like, yep. let's go that's heat it is it is a good watch and the thing if you've never tried on a diver 65 or really any oris right now they wear so well like my diver 65 is the og black dial funky numerals like i love the watch and the the wearing profile of this watch is so thin it's just insane how thin it is their braces are great tropics are great like It's a great brand. They do really cool, funky stuff. The Aquas line is great. They now have the integrated and quick change straps. So they're doing a lot of things. We just saw them release the new rectangle kind of Art Deco models. They have the new pointer dates with the new movements. And they're doing a lot of stuff with in-house movement technology. Things that are anti-magnetic, big power reserves. So they really are pushing the levels of technology. And it's really interesting. I kind of, although they're at two different price segments, I kind of liken Oris right now in 20, we'll call it post 2020, obviously it's 2022, but post 2020, in this frame of mind with technology, focuses on materials, things like that, I liken them to Omega back in the mid-2000s, right? The 2005, 2007, right when they started going back to in-house movements, silicon- all of that stuff, like that's kind of where I see the parallels here. This is a brand that is not afraid to push the envelope, and they're going to invest in technology, research and development, and and making their watches truly something special. I don't know if they'll ever move up quite up market, right? Where they're going to start competing with a brand like Omega, but they sure as hell could compete with Longines. They sure as hell could compete with Tudor.
0: I was going to say that's why Tudor has to look over their shoulder. I, I mean, in my opinion,
1: <laughs> yeah. This is a brand that is is dynamic and it's mobile and it's ready to go. So, I'd say, look out for Oris, man. They're coming. Yeah, and it's They're funny even, for somebody. Even
0: a few years ago, I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have said that, but like, no. Even just in the past year, like they show tremendous. I guess you call it like uh, I forget what the word I'm looking for is. It's not mobility, but it, the the ability to be nimble and move with the trends yeah, really quickly. It's dynamic. And they really, really, really. They get their finger on the pulse and they get it out like Boom. ASAP, yep. like that. Those those cotton candy divers they came out of nowhere and they were such a hit. Yeah, right? and that was that was before the pastel craze was so big like it is today. It was, you know, the oyster perpetuals were out, but it was like I don't know if we like these. Am I gonna get this one? Looks like a parking cone. But like I yeah. got that cotton candy in when I, that I
1: you gave donated. away raffled away. Yeah. yeah, dude,
0: that thing was great. Like I was I was astonished how thin it wore. The bracelet tapered beautifully. I was like. Yeah.
1: I like, think I would do like i really have to give this away <laughs> yeah, exactly Can I, just keep <laughs> I was trying to check for the donation exactly. myself and, and you but know what it is no I'm, I'm with you i'm with you man i think i think you said it right they keep their finger on the pulse and their demo i'm gonna say one thing vj if you're ever were listening to this
0: he follows the it, pod he does i
1: know i i hope so man i will say this man talk to bro let's let's do an always on turquoise version for next year's or this year, I guess, is breast cancer. Let's do a pink loomed version. Oh, so let's do a cool guy do that. with that would pink loomed. That would be so sick for giveaway number two. If 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 Oris is still down, I yeah, think that would the, be sick.
0: Uh, yeah, my uh, my my contact, he already hit me up, and he's like, "Oh, you you're in next year, right?" I'm like, "Crap, now I gotta like live up to this hype."
1: <laughs> hey man, <laughs> our podcast is growing. We'll have some more support, and and that maybe that's our big thing every year. We'll just do. We'll just, you know, one of our podcast listeners, you, you donate something, you get entered into the raffle, it's benefiting a good cause, and you, you might get a free watch out of it. It's a win-win for everybody.
0: The Philanthropy Cheese Podcast.
1: There you go, man. We're all about giving back, baby. <laughs> all about giving back.
0: All right. And who are you, uh, who are you dumping?
1: <sighs> man, I got a dumb tag. Okay, fair enough. I, got a dumb, I mean, it, I, I don't think it's really a surprise <laughs> to anybody. But I, I just think is with it, their twenty is it the 17 year old CEO? 26, 26. Obviously. Um, but I think, yeah, with the 26 year old CEO at the helm, nothing against what he's doing. But I just think they they're confusing the brand. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this. You know, last year they came out with a new refresh for the Aqua Racer collection. I love it, by the way. I love the Aqua Racer collection in, in the and I think it's a 43 millimeter. Um, especially the night diver. We take yeah, night diverse tour. It's sick, it's an amazing watch. I love it. But then I'm looking at some of the other watches because, like, just earlier this year, they did a refresh of the refresh, <laughs> and now there's a new Aqua Racer collection. And I just saw on social media that they're doing a whole marketing campaign, launches all over the you know, all over the world to to, to debut this new collection, and it's completely stylistically different than the one they released just last year and now it's in 41 millimeters Mm -hmm. so i'm looking at myself i'm like okay you had a great home run looking watch there and now you have another watch here but they don't share the same design language but they're both aqua racers and they're both tag and i don't get it i just think it's another brand it's just like it's confused dude It needs, it needs, we need a confused stamp. Like that's what I want. (laughs) Boom. It's confused. Like the brand is confused. The watch is confused. I don't know what's going on with tag. And the thing that kills me is I look back at the history of this brand and the stuff that they've been able to accomplish as a brand, whether it was Hoyer or whether it was tag Hoyer, it's the same brand. They bought all of that history. They have the rights to it. They just don't ever use it. And it's like. So, bread and butter. What are you doing? I'm just like, just like go back in history and get a manual wine Salita chronograph and re release the Carrera in a 39 millimeter in manual wine. Just do that. People will buy it. You saw how quickly sold out of the Houdinki Skippers. My God, like, can you just imagine if that was a production watch? Like, people would buy it. But the brand is so concerned with trying to be avant garde that they're missing. The mark they're trying so hard to be cutting edge and innovative that they end up falling flat on their face and selling mario smart watches yep it's just like i don't get it you look at some of the most iconic watches of all time in chronographs specifically the monaco the carrera the Ottavia, their calculator series of watches i mean these are you know the the um the seafarer man. Could you imagine they did an Abercrombie and Fitch seafarer re-edition? It would break the internet, dude. They actually but have they a won. lot
0: of uh, regatta timers, I think. Yes,
1: yeah. And that the skipper was a regatta timer. Yeah. I mean, like, and they had and they all had cool names. Yep. Skipper, seafarer. I mean, like, these were cool names.
0: And I mean, the and, Cal Eleven was right there with the El Primero.
1: Yeah. I mean. Tag was so cool. You could send in all of your Marlboro cigarette boxes and get a free watch in the mail. I mean, like this was this was the 70s, man. Like they were doing crazy stuff and they were selling like crazy. You know, where's that tag? Because I miss it. I want it back. And if if I was a fly on the wall, in some of these marketing meetings or boardroom meetings or CEO meetings, man, I would be holding somebody's feet to the fire. But I think a lot of these changes are indicative of a much bigger problem at the tag company that maybe we are not privy to. And that's all I'll say.
0: I think that's all you can say. It's, I almost feel like they suffer from that same thing with the, we're trying to predict the future and we don't know if it's gonna go there. And meanwhile, if we just played up on our history and whether you refresh an old idea or just straight up, I mean, the re-release is all the rage, it has been, Find some cool stuff. You got a big back catalog.
1: Yeah do you, do you do you remember the IsoGraph? Do you remember this? I'm scanner? trying to
0: remember what it looks like. I feel like I've seen it. I.
1: So 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 the IsoGraph came out a few years back, and it was right when Tag lost. Oh, oh, oh
0: the- I do know. It looks like people said it looked like a Spinnaker, right? It had like a bezel, up uh, like a colored bezel on around the outside. It was that one?
1: It had a rotating bezel. Okay. But it was designed kind of like a pilot field watch, if you will. Was it branded but as it like was... an
0: Octavia, even though yes.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay. So I don't are you familiar with this with the issue with this watch?
0: Yeah, I remember it had a big issue and it had to go back. I, I can't remember what it was because I just kind of laughed it okay. off. Okay.
1: So so if you Google, there are photos of this watch that have on the dial Octavia and an isograph. Okay. So what's interesting about this watch, and this may, be a, this may be a tidbit of information that people probably don't know or they just missed it altogether, but this was supposed to be TAG's new launch into a new generation of technology for the brand, specifically making anti-magnetic movements. Okay. And the way that they were going to do this is by introducing a new type of hairspring material made out of carbon, kind of like carbon fiber. Yep. This is great because carbon itself is not a metal it's impervious to magnetism so on and so forth it's kind of like silicone the only difference with the only major difference with carbon and silicone is traditional hairsprings that are metal you can actually bend them in a process of what they call poising to make sure that the centricity of the balance will oscillates back and forth in a s- symmetrical format that makes sense so watchmakers will bend the hairspring to make sure that it oscillates concentrically well, you can't do that with silicone once it's made it's it that's it that's the geometry you can't change it if you bend it you'll break it so traditional watchmakers don't really like silicone because you know this is an old technique that they're that they've mastered over the years and they don't they can't do it with silicone so tag was like you know what people are doing silicone we're going to do carbon and we'll be able to poise it they can be adjusted and all that stuff to make it even more accurate right that was at least the idea. And because it's not metallic, it's impervious to temperature fluctuations, magnetism, so on and so forth. So they released this watch in a whole new collection called the Otavia Isograph. Well, they hit the market and they started selling. They got so much press coverage by everybody. I remember. Houdinki, a blog to watch. It was everywhere. And all of a sudden, as quickly as they had come, everyone stopped talking about it. And what's crazy is all of these hairsprings started catastrophically failing. They were just like breaking. And they were breaking at the point in which they were attached to the actual balance bridge. They were literally shearing off and just like breaking themselves. So TAG literally recalled all of the watches. Like any retailer that had them in stock, they were immediately recalled back to the factory They were trying to to, to diagnose exactly what had gone wrong with these watches. And ultimately, they were going to try to fix them and send them back out. It didn't work. Nothing worked. (laughs) So essentially, they had all these watches that had catastrophic failures. They quietly pulled them from the shelves, and they quietly relaunched them as Octavias with new dials that didn't say Isograph anymore and just had the regular caliber 5 designation on them. And then resold them. What's funny is one of my collector friends, whom I've mentioned before on this podcast, he has an original Octavia with an nice. isograph movement inside. And it works just fine. So I don't know if they were all messed up, but his works. And I'm like, you better not ever sell no, this No, definitely not. <laughs> you got to keep this one safe, man. This is a, this is a one of one right now. Proof that it, w- it existed. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny. Like, you can find images on it. People covered this watch. Yeah, no, I remember And all of a sudden, like, nobody talked about it. And it was a scandal that never really broke out. I thought it was so interesting. But I caught it. And I talked to some people about it that were in the industry at the time that remember. And they're like, yeah, that as quick as it came, it also went away. So there you go. There's my my tag tangent.
0: All right. Uh, My last one here, because I know we're running along on time, is... Another Heritage Revival brand, which we touched on recently on the pod, which is Nevada Grinchin.
1: Ah, yes. Bye, 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 bye,
0: bye. Yeah. This was a brand that actually put out some of the first automatic watches way back when and was a victim of basically the quartz crisis, 1980s. Right? They kind of just fell out of favor. And they got rebooted in 2018. Now, you might have also seen this in history as Croton. Mm Mm-hmm. Because this is an interesting story, actually. The name Nevada, when it came to the U.S., was too close to Movado. So they had to distribute uh, it under another name, which is where you get Croton from. So Croton used to distribute their that. watches.
1: Pretty interesting. So it's kind of like Longines and Wittenauer, right? Like they're this same watch is just sold under a different label yep. in a different country. Yep. Makes sense.
0: They really caught fire when it was actually on the, the talk and watches with Alton Brown. He has a, a vintage Nevada Depth yeah, Master. Original. Which is the the baby panorama, they call it, with the Pac-Man yeah. dial. Or the
1: Pac-Man, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: They really got like people were like, what is that? Right. So they 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 got some real good publicity there. So they reboot in 2018. And they now have the Depth Master. They have their bread basically their bread and butter model, which was the total mouthful here. Chronomaster Aviator Sea Diver. It's a 200 meter chronograph
1: with a broad arrow hand.
0: Yeah, broad arrow hand. It's kind of it kind of looks like a mishmash, but it's pretty cool.
1: It, it's super cool. And it's small. It's a yeah, small they're, they're not big.
0: They're not big watches, which is also kind of cool. And, and then you have the, the uh, we, yeah, we have the the Antarctic, which is like their sort of polar exploration concept. Then the one you were talking about, which is the super Antarctic, which yeah. is actually really sick, which is kind of 1016 ish. But it also has, if you've seen, they have a variation because they offer variations in every single one of these models. The Super Antarctic has a variation where it has like the like uh, radioactive green loom, kind of like the Oris does that we just talked about, but it's green mm-hmm, looking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks
0: really good. Like I, some you know, the guilt looks good, the white looks good, but for me that kills it. And, and again, they offer on tons of bracelet options. I think you said they were going through Forstner, right? Yeah, Forstner. So you know they're good bracelets, and then you can get tropics, you can get leather straps, and then you can get these watches in every which variation. I mean, they have they have different seconds hands on them. They have, like I said, gilt. They have anything you could ask for. And then they have these other really cool variations that are a little more upmarket. I don't know if you've seen them, but they have value movements in them.
1: Yes, because cause I think that they do some manual and they do some automatic.
0: Yep. Yes, they also do that as well. You are correct about that. So they have this, they call it the Newman because it's akin to the, the Paul Newman because you know how the Paul Newman Daytona has those, the counters inside the subdials, dials mm-hmm. like the little black squares? This yeah. also has that. And so that's why it's called the the Newman Panda and the Newman Reverse Panda. It has nothing to actually do with Paul Newman, but because it, it shares an aesthetic.
1: Yeah, and I think also too, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, Singer was the dial manufacturer for the Paul Newmans for Rolex. And I think Singer also did the dials for the Nevada Grenchen on those models in the, in the original history. So there's another reason. That why would make a perfect all, tie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's another reason why it's a tie-in, I think. From what
0: I can see, they use all Eta clone movements, whether it be Solita or Soprod or whatever. So you're basically getting Eta technology. Not gonna go wrong there, and most of the watches are pretty cheap. I know, like those Antarctic Super Antarctic are mostly under a thousand.
1: Yeah, I so know sick. even
0: the yeah the Depth Master I think is just barely over a thousand. So you, you can get in pretty excessively, especially by today's standards. Get a heritage brand, cool vintage styling. For me, it, that's like a why not? I mean, it's it, it's a lot of fun.
1: One hundred percent.
0: I keep coming back to them. That's one. They're a brand. I, I every once in a while I, I reopen my browser and I'm like. <sighs> you know, maybe I could use one of these.
1: It would be so sick. It would be really sick.
0: Yeah. But you got to make sure if you want one, you got to get one because the, the variations sell out.
1: They sell out fast. Yeah. So did, did you see the, did you see the tropical dial one that they did?
0: Yes. Just read. It's the, the uh, master.
1: So it, yeah, it's a Chronomaster aviator, sea diver, but it's the, the brown yep. tropic dial. Yep. Oh my God. And, and like, I don't know if it's like an old, dial or if they just like artificially aged it, it looks so good. So good. Man. I don't know, yeah, they, bro. Maybe, maybe we got to get some matching Nevada grandchildren watches this year.
0: <laughs> they had a, a limited run of 50. Uh, a big eye version of the Chronomaster looked really good. It had like an orange lollipop secondhand on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. looked
0: really sick. And I think it had a value in it, but I think it was like five grand, but it was, I think it was limited run 50 pieces, but it very, very cool.
1: What's up, man? Are we, getting, are we getting matching NGs this year or what? Maybe. You know? I'm liking the Super Antarctic, man. It is. It is, it is pretty fire. Oh, I love it. I think, it's, I think it's so good. Move out of the way, Tudor Ranger. This is where I'm going. Yeah, that, that's what I want Tudor to release. That right there. <laughs> on a Forstner bracelet, baby. Come on. Give me Dude, some classics. Please.
0: The, I hate the Tudor rivet. Yeah.
1: It's, oof. It's sick, man. It's sick.
0: Again, there's so many easy targets to to mush, right? Yeah, you, ha- you have Panerai's always an easy target. Yeah, you have Rolex to mush because you hate their tactics. And and to be honest, it was. I was listening to another podcast recently, and I, and somebody said something interesting. He's like, I don't even really want that many Rolex models. He's like, there's probably like two that I would really want. And he kind of went through yep. it, and I was like, dude, you're kind of right. Like, when yeah. I think about it, I, th- I feel like right now, the only appealing model to me is maybe the GMT Master.
1: I could see that. I could see that. For me, there's only one that I would really want. It's, uh, well, I should say two. It's either the Green the green Bezel Submariner, just because it's different. Um,
0: black Dial or Green Dial? Uh,
1: oh, the, the Black Dial, the new one. The, the ceramic one. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sermit or whatever, or yeah, Starbucks. Yeah. Starbucks, Starbucks. It's a dumb name. And it's stupid but the sermon i think is probably better that one and maybe just a standard op like that's it not only a tiffany blue just give me a blue or a black or a white or a navy or just something simple that would be it because that to me that's kind of the that's kind of the, the rolex like it's just steel sports bracelet no cyclops no date just workhorse boom done yeah,
0: I think for me, I think it's the GMT minister. I, I really do. I, I, I think most of any Rolexes I want would be vintage. Yep. I, even, I even like the vintage Datejust better than the current Datejust. Yeah. I just do.
1: There's something about it.
0: Yeah, and I kind of like the old janky bracelets. Yeah, I'm kind of with it, and, you know?
1: And so hence why we're all about that Forstner.
0: Yeah, yes. This podcast <laughs> is brought
1: to you by Forstner Bands. Forstner Bands. Just kidding. <laughs> I
0: have like two or three of them. Might as well be. I know. It's like, can
1: you please sponsor us? No, we're just kidding. We don't take sponsors.
0: Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting concept. When he said it, I was like, huh. And then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah. It's like, I think if somebody said you could have one model, I was like, yeah, I guess it would be GMT. Because even, even the, the Explorer twos now, I'd, I hate the proportions on it
1: yeah it's it's not a fan I'm explorer not a fan. one it's
0: great but it, it doesn't do anything for me that much same with the sub i don't i don't need a sub i just don't daytona i don't even want it
1: not a 50 grand i honestly don't want
0: one i it, the only purpose of me getting one would be to resell it i do not yep. want that watch yep and people might say you're crazy you're full of it you're just trying to be against the grain no i do not want that watch unpopular yep. opinion sorry it is what it is skydweller kind of cool novel concept but I wore one. It's not that comfortable. No. Very big. It's top heavy. heavy. It's top uh, heavy. Uh, again, you're going to get that big presence hanging over your wrist, bobbling back and forth. I don't want that. Give me something that wears nice.
1: I, th- I think for a lot of people, when they get the Rolex call, they're just so excited at the opportunity to have purchase a Rolex that they just buy anything. And you got to give them credit. Given,
0: that's, that's what they've cultivated as a brand. Yep, that's that's amazing that people are clamoring for opportunity. That, that yep. is an amazing, amazing thing that they have achieved and you cannot take that away from them at all. And they are just masters of that level of marketing. Yep. Cannot take it away from them at all. That is unmatched. But I wasn't even gonna pick them. <laughs> um, really who I'm selling, and again, this is a brand I really, really do like, is Zenith. I love the El Primero. But outside of those El Primero lines, you really got to get it together over there. Yeah. I, I, it's said. I think I like the ladies' models better than the men's models outside of the El Primero.
1: Yep. It's just, and give it another one to the confused Stamp.
0: Like, I feel like the Defy has lots of potential. Just little tweaks. Little tweaks here and there.
1: Yep. Did you see that they're also now selling refurbished? Vintage Zeniths.
0: Really? I mean, I like that, yep. um, that reissue Zenith they put out. That was cool.
1: But these are original Zeniths. They call them Zenith icons. So there are Zeniths that they source. Either they buy them back from collectors or whatever. They will service them with as minimal impact as possible. And then they will resell them, and I believe, with, with Zenith warranties but they're, That's selling them at, they're selling them at like a premium, obviously. Yeah. So there's a, there's a gold El Primero on here. As part of the icons collection, it's 50,400, but it's a solid gold El Primero from, you know, the original production 69 to 72. Yep. That's it's interesting. Just, yeah. I almost it's, regret it's, to do that. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bold strategy, man. I mean, it's it's a crapshoot for many brands because you have to stand by, you know, the quality of the product and it's obviously an older product, you know what i mean? So there's a there's a thing there, but it also gives collectors peace of mind that they can buy a legitimate watch from the brand that has been quote unquote inspected and serviced and and really maintained, not restored. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. See, that's a great like if i could i've always wanted certain models like Seiko models, like an original Tuna or an original 62 Moss. Yeah. But like those watches have been so heavily worked on. Yep. You know, I, I'm not an expert enough, nor do I want to burden somebody else with doing that for me. So I just stay away. But, you know, they have their real issues. I just, I don't know. I just these something about the original. Like if, if Seiko ever did that, I'd, I'd have to maybe take
1: a look. Yeah. Again, it's just peace of mind. But, I mean, I think you said it right, man. Outside of their El Primero line, specifically the Chronomaster El Primero line, I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this. I think some of them are really nice, and, and they good, they're they good-looking, but it's usually the ones that look like vintage watches. You know? Yeah. Because outside of that...
0: Again, the futuristic stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man, outside of that, I just...
0: Man, I love the El Primero. I do.
1: Well, it's a beast of a movement.
0: And, like, how many watches are you, are you going to get with that many colors on it? And it actually works. Yeah. Right, like, the three different color subdials, chrono seconds hand, the dial's another color. Like, there is so much going on, and yet it is awesome.
1: Completely agree with you. And the proportions are so good. Yep. They're so good.
0: But yeah, I would love, I would love if they could just just give me some other stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah, Don't be AP. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just you look at the Chronos and you're like, "Yes." and then you look at the Defy and you're like, "No, anything but that, please." And some people really love the Defy. I'm just like, it's just not not for me. Not for me at all. But that's it, man. I, I got nothing else.
0: Yeah, I mean, other, uh, I'll throw honorable mentions real quick. I mean, obviously, Zinn has been a favorite for a long time, but even them coming up market, constantly developing technology-wise, and obviously, as a result, raising price as well, which is not great for us collectors, but it seems warranted in the idea that they do put a lot of work into their watches. Close to my heart, Grand Seiko, I feel like I just love their yep. their dial work, their innovations in that realm. I speak enough on them. I don't think I have to delve into that one. And then Brightling. I think you got to give shine to Brightling. I think
1: absolutely with
0: their new management. I think they're really doing great stuff. Men and women lines look good. I think they are moving into the future in the right way. I think they're doing futuristic, but not off the wall futuristic. They're doing yeah. trying to be classic, but I just want to bring see bring it into the present for them.
1: I want to see the next year for them. They got the aesthetics down. Now they need to bring the technology. Yeah. That's going to be the biggest deciding factor for Brightling in the future. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do.
0: And it's tough. And it's tough for them because they exist at a weird price point. Right. right? All those cool watches that came out with the BO1s in them and everything, they're expensive. They're all like
1: 8+. And they're still expensive. That's the other thing that blows my mind. Usually once brands, you know, they have a, a big R&D investment into a movement manufacturer. They develop a new technology, whatever it is. The initial run of that watch is going to be very expensive because that watch has to absorb that production cost. Yeah, it does. But the BO1 has been out forever now. So why hasn't the price of that movement started to come down? In some cases, it's gotten more expensive. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they can bring down the price of those movements and bring up the price slightly of its lower volume stuff while matching it with new technology that's going to make it feel relevant as the industry starts to shift because i guarantee you this is going to be the next change it's going to be the technological revolution everyone has mastered the aesthetics everyone has mastered iconic nature everyone has mastered you know vintage reissues how do we bring them forward it's going to be tech it's going to be materials it's going to be anti-magnetic protection it's going to be you know, movement, design, all of that stuff is going to be coming forward. And if brands aren't looking at that or focusing on it now, they're going to be behind. That's my thing. That's my, that's what I'm calling. That's what I'm predicting.
0: I think you're right. And I think you could tell from this year, whether you're looking at, what do what they call It's the
1: Daytora, I think. Yes. The, the Brightling, right? Yes. Um, like that, kind that of is looks a, like a paddock.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great looking watch, right? But they, they introduced all different color palettes, right? That pistachio green. They were on the bowl with that ice dial. They put that ice dial in a few different models. You know, they came out with those mini chronomats in different colors, mint, orange. Like, they look yeah. good. They're at least on the cutting edge of trends,
1: where exactly. I feel like
0: they used to be kind of like... A little bit behind. Yes.
1: I agree. I just think that now they need to push forward and bring their aesthetic nature in line with the technological factor.
0: I'm with and I'm not just
1: talking about technology in terms of complications, because that's been done. That's easy to do. It's now making new materials, new construction, Refinings. new movement design. Exactly. And that's going to be where people are going to start to see where their dollar really goes. And unless you're able to deliver that,
0: you just that's going to be price. a change. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at Oris, right? We talked about that. I'm not going to beat this anymore, but you look at Oris. I'm willing to spend more money on a caliber 400 because I know what went into it, you know? And for me, that's a, that's a movement that's going to be synonymous with the future of Oris as a brand. Yeah. That's going
0: to flood all their lines.
1: It's it. I mean, we already saw it with a pointer date. They have an adaptation of that movement in the pointer date. Makes sense. That caliber movement will be in everything at some point and it will spawn other movements to, to come after it. So, like I said, I think it's a, pretty, it's a pretty, you know, similar comparison when you look at Oris today versus Omega in 2007. It's started with the caliber 8500. And since then, they've expanded into silicon hairsprings, master coaxial movements, master chronometer movements, you know, all of that's originated from that caliber 8500.
0: And speaking of Breitling, just a quick note. I don't know if you caught, uh, Fratello dropped an article this week about basically picking up watches that'll get you respect under, I think it was five grand. Yeah. I'm into that. Open the article. First two watches, do you know what they were? If you go back to our episode where we did a similar idea in different price ranges, are under 5,000 watches. Yeah. Rightling, Heritage Super Ocean, and Longines Spirit. Your pick, my pick. First two watches, in the love article. It. I was like, got love right. it." I said, "Hey, at the very least, fingers on the pulse, right?"
1: <laughs> hey, we're we're on brand.
0: That's it. That's that's brand. all I care about, right? Accurate.
1: <laughs> so there you go, guys. We're not just blowing smoke up your butt. We kind of have a little bit of an idea as to what we're doing. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah.
0: And other than that, I think I would just like to give a quick thanks. Uh, this week specifically has been our best week yet. Um, I keep a pretty close eye on the analytics. It's a, it's a fun little game I play every week to see if we beat the previous week's <laughs> high. And happens every week, you know. especially after our last week's debate and talk about consuming content. Uh, we appreciate you consuming ours. Yeah. Right? I, as I said, it's, everybody's kind of got limited time nowadays. So checking in with us, greatly appreciated. Thanks for tuning in and we'll just yeah. keep cranking it out so you just keep joining us thanks Other guys. Than that, i appreciate it i think we are out schmidt Take another care, one in friend. the books be good